Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord said to Abram, outside his tent and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Have you ever asked this question, God, is there really more for my life? Like, I I don't see the more that I see in the word, I don't see the more that you have promised me. Like, God, is there really more? Is there, is, is there more for my family? Is there a, a better job for me? Is there, a, is there a greater purpose for me to fulfill? Is, is my future have blessings attached to it? And the truth is, there is always more with God. But we can get so limited by what we currently see, that we end up settling for less than God's best. Why do we settle? Well, we settle because our current reality doesn't line up with the promise he gave us. So what we see affects what we believe. And also, how we see God can limit us in a major way question, how do you see God? Do you see him as this big God who's got more for your life, this good God, or do you see him as a God that has less for your life? The famous theologian A.W. Tozer said this, and I quote, the most important thing about a person is how they view God. Do you see God and view him as a distant God? Do you view him as a bad God, a mean God, an angry God who's ready to punish you when you sin? Do you view him as a God that doesn't care about the details of your life? Because how you view God will determine the life that you live. So the most important question about a person is how they view God. The second most important question is this. How do you think God views 
you? How do you think God views you? How y'all doing? Some of y'all are wondering, is he really in there? I really in there. How do you view God? How do you think God views you? So important for us. Many of us were raised in different backgrounds, different upbringings. And so a lot of times, because of the example or lack thereof of our earthly father, we begin to view God in a different way because we connect our earthly father to our heavenly father. So therefore, if our earthly father was not there for us, if he jetted out on us, if he left us, if there was abuse verbally or physically, if there was alcoholism, if there was drug use in the home, if he always promised you something but never came true, if he always told you he was going to be there for your game but never showed up, a lot of times we can view God how we do our earthly father. And it's so important for us to look at our heavenly father the way he is because he's a good God. He's a faithful God. Even when we're faithless and unfaithful, he's a good God. And so many times we grapple with this view of God and how he looks at us and how he looks at you is you're accepted, you're forgiven, you're loved by an awesome God. And no matter where you go and what you do in life, God is always there with you. We can leave God, but God never leaves us. The word says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Today, I want to talk to you about the life of a man named Abraham. Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was given this promise from God. And our text we read in chapter 15. So between Genesis 12, when the promise was given, to Genesis 15, there was a 20-year gap. 20 years of no promise fulfilled. 20 years of him not seeing what God said would happen. God told him, Abraham, in Genesis 12, I want you to leave your country, your relatives, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. He said, I will cause you to become a father of many nations, many nations. I will bless you. I will make you a blessing to others and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So the Bible says that Abraham went as the Lord told him. Notice God did not give him the details of what that land was or what it looked like. He just told him, take the first step of faith. And that's how it is many times with you and I. God doesn't do details well. And he asks us, will you take the first step? And as you take the second step, I'll begin to unveil the next instructions for you. But many times it's hard for us to even take that first step, isn't it? It's hard for us to step out in faith on something God has asked us to or something, a promise or a principle we see in his word. So here is Abraham And he's sitting in his tent, the Bible says, with no promise, with no children. 
And he is frustrated, he is mad, and he is angry at God. Have you ever been there? Two people. I've been there. I've been there where I don't understand this. Why is this happening? Why am I going? Wait, I know what you promised me, but it's, it's, it's being delayed. And, and here's Abraham, and this delay called, caused him to get discouraged. And delay will always try to discourage you. Not only did it cause him to get discouraged, he became impatient in the delay. I know we're all patient in here. Just ask the McDonald's drive through worker when you was getting your Egg McMuffin today with hash brown and coffee on the side. And it wasn't done in 1.5 seconds and you threw a Pentecostal fit. But, but... But Abraham was impatient, and um, impatience, impatience will cause you to move hastily and try to work out the promise in your own strength, better known as your flesh. And that's what Abraham tried to do. And he, he said, God, you promised me the, a son. You promised me to be the father of many nations, but yet I don't see that coming to fruition in my life. I, I love this about God because... Uh, God knows the beginning and the end, and he knows everything in between. And in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that, that um, Abraham is called the father of our faith, the father of our faith. But here we find him in a moment of weakness. Here we find him sitting in his tent arguing with God. Have you ever argued with God? How'd that work out? Not too well, did it? Some of you are like, yeah, that's why I'm here today. <laughs> Argue with my wife and then with God, and they both won. <laughs> Arguing with God in the tent. I, I love that God, God always sees where we're going, not where we're currently at. Father of many nations, Abraham, but I'm in the tent with no son, with no inheritance, with no children. Father of many nations. See, God calls you what you're about to become, not where you currently are. I love that about my God. So you may have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. You're the redeemed of the Lord. You're covered by his blood and you're a child of God. He calls you to where you're going and what you are. You are who God says you are. You have to know that you are who God says you are, not who this world says you are. So Abraham is in the tent. Someone say he's in the tent. He's in the tent and he didn't want to come out of the tent, to be honest. He had an attitude with God. He had an attitude with God, but God says, listen, you're going to be a blessing, Abraham. Your seed will be multiplied all over the earth. And he said, I'm giving you favor, and I'm going to make your name great. But 20 years later, it still hadn't happened. What do you do when it hasn't happened? What do you do when what God has said is not your current reality? What do you do? Because I, I've found many times in my life that I can get impatient in the process. I, I can get discouraged because of delay and I can have an attitude with God. And that's right where we find Abraham. So what do you do when you know God said something is going to happen, but it hasn't yet? What do you do in that, that, that meantime, right? Like I have the promise, but I have a... A, a, a meantime season that seems like a lifetime. 
and I don't see the harvest yet. Remember, we talked about seed, time, time, and then harvest. Because that time period can cause us to forget the promises and to give up on them. Let me just bring it home for you. Like, some of you thought I would be married by now. Like, I can't believe I'm not married by now. Some of you thought, I, I just thought by now my marriage would be better. I, th- I thought it would be better, we'd be getting along better, but it's not. I, I thought by now that financially we would have things in line, but we, we still don't. Hmm? Am I talking to anybody today? I, I thought we would be out of debt, but it's actually worse than it was before. I, I, I thought we would be able to have children but we're still with no children. Hmm? What do you do when you don't see the promise come to fruition in your life? I, I thought my grief would be easier to handle, but it's not. I, I, I thought that I would receive my healing by now, but I'm still having pains and issues in my body. I, I thought my business or career would be further along than it is now, but it's not. I thought my children would be serving God by now, but they're not. What do you do in that moment? What do you do in that moment? Because in that moment, we can get frustrated. And in our frustration, we can find ourselves in the tent. The tent. The tent holds us back. The tent is our perspective of the promise. The tent causes us to doubt and fear. The tent causes us to be comfortable when God never called our faith to be comfortable. He called us to be uncomfortable. And so, so here's Abraham and he's, he's struggling. He's struggling. Now, now, mind you, his name hasn't changed yet. Listen to this. In the text we read, his name is Abram. Someone say Abram. Later on, we know God would change his name, but that's later on. And here's the reason that's later on, is because God is about to change Abram before he changes his situation or his name. Now, I want to preach. That was introduction. For those of you who are new to Fuel Church. Uh, In point number one, God is more concerned with changing you than he is about changing your situation. God God is more concerned with changing you than he is about changing your situation. He, He wants to do a work in you first before he does a work through you. Because many times we're, we're, we're in a process of character development and we think we're ready for the next now, but we're re- not ready for the next right now. We got to go through process. We got to go through God chipping some things away from our heart. And we got to get a heart transplant at times. And he's got to work on our character and our integrity has got to be at a different level than it is now. And we're not ready for the next now. Like, like it, it's funny, a lot of people think they're ready to be a leader and ready to step up on a stage. And it's like, no, you haven't been through process yet. Like, like, like and here's how I put it. What, what is meant to be a blessing to your life will turn into a burden if you, if you jump into it prematurely. So what's meant to be a blessing will end up destroying you. 
Because when you step up on here, when you step up in leadership, you better be ready for every devil in hell to come against you, your family, your marriage, and your finances. The devil don't play. So anytime you step up in spiritual authority and spiritual leadership, you're a target. You're more of a target for the enemy than ever before. So God is more concerned with changing you than he is about changing your situation. And, and, and here we find Abraham. And he's got a bad attitude. And God's got to get him a better attitude before he changes his name. He's got to get the right values and the right morals in him before the promotion comes. If not, what was meant to bless him will end up destroying him. Hmm? What God was trying to really show Abram is this. That Abram, you're so focused and fixed on what's missing in your life right now that you're not grateful for what is in your life. Can I talk about this for a minute? We, we get so fixated and focused on what we don't have that we forget all the blessings that God has given us. We get, we get so dialed in, man, I just want that, and I gotta have that, and I gotta have this certain house, and I gotta have this certain income, and I gotta keep up with the Joneses, and I gotta have this and that, that we forget about everything around us that God has done. And most of the time, when we find ourselves in that position, it's because we're in the comparison trap, and we're comparing our life story to somebody's Facebook feed where we see all their highlight moments, but we don't see their behind-the-scenes footage. And you're judging your life on somebody's highlight moments when you know your behind-the-scene footage. You know the mess. You know the struggles. And all you see is them on the beach right now. And it ain't fair, because you're at the Kokomo Beach. Abraham was rich. Someone say he's rich. Like filthy rich, y'all. Like billionaire club rich. Read your Bible. He had all kinds of livestock and servants and cattle and camels. Not the kind you smoke. And he had, I mean, servants out the wazoo. He had all kinds of stuff. But the one thing he didn't have was a child. So he was so fixed on that that it ate him up. And because of that, he stayed in the tent. He stayed in the tent when he should have been outside the tent. The tent is going to try to keep you. The tent is going to try to hold on to you to tell you this is all there is to life. This is all that God is going to do in your marriage. This is all that God is going to do in your family. This is as far as you're going to go financially. The tent will try to hold you. You got to know that, church. The devil doesn't like that you come to this church. Every time you show up, demons tremble. Why is it so hard for you to get here every weekend? Why does every excuse try to come up every weekend? Why does every kid, oh, all, all of a sudden they're six Sunday morning at eight. All of a sudden the washer goes out Saturday night at 12 o'clock, Right? What, why do you think he does not want you here? Because every time you're here, your faith is growing and God is pushing you out of the tent. He is causing you to see something bigger than your problem, than your situation. And you're becoming more like God and less like the enemy. 
less like the world. He hates that you're here. He hates that your kids are here. He hates that your students right now are over next door. He hates it. He hates that they're hearing the word of God, that they're worshiping. Why is it so hard to get here? Because he's trying to steal the seed of faith. He knows the only way faith grows is by hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God. So he tries to stop you from coming. Hmm? Abraham's fixed on the one thing he doesn't have. There's a lot of people who have a lot of stuff in life, but they're still unhappy and unfulfilled because they're fixed and focused on the one thing that's missing. Like, there's people in here, you have a lot of money, but your marriage is horrible. And you're so focused on that. There's people, you have a beautiful home, but you have no friends to share it with. Nobody's at your dinner table. There's vacant seats. There's people, you have material stuff that most people would love to have, but you have no peace in your mind because you can't buy peace. You can't buy peace. There's people that you have your dream job. You're in the career you wanted to be in, but you have no spouse or family to share it with. We get so fixed on what we don't have that we forget about what we do have, and therefore we end up in the tent of discouragement. Abraham wanted a child so bad. Abraham wanted a child so bad that he stayed in the tent and he was mad at God. And God was saying, Abram, you're so focused on my hand instead of my face. And that's where we find ourselves most of the time. God, what can you give me? And God's saying, no, seek my face. When you seek his face, you'll get what's in his hands. This good preaching. I encourage myself every week. Y'all don't have no clue. When you seek his face, you'll get what's in his hands. I believe in the blessing of God. I believe he wants you financially blessed, your family blessed. I believe he wants you to live in nice houses and drive. I don't believe this is a poor gospel. It's a blessed gospel. But it's, it's not dictated on your income because there's a whole lot of blessed people and rich people who don't make a whole lot of money. It's not about the amount of money you have. Now, money is great, and we need money to function, right? But, but there's people I know that make 20000 a year that have, are rich in peace and rich in joy and rich in life and are more happy than those making six figures. So it's not a financial bracket. On the other hand, God wants you blessed not only for your family to be taken care of, but so that you can be a blessing to someone else. Forget not the Lord your God, who it is he that gives you power to gain wealth, to establish his covenant. How are we going to preach the gospel? How are we going to keep building more churches? How are we going to keep reaching more of God's lost kids? It takes money. I'm just being real with you. It takes money to have all this, right? And so God doesn't want you poor no more. <laughs> but it's when you seek his face that you get what's in his hands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because a lot of people, I like that blessing part of the Bible. I run with that. But then I don't really like that prayer part. I don't really like every day dying to myself and picking up my cross and following Jesus. I don't like that part where I got to love my neighbor. I want to punch my neighbor. Anybody want to punch your neighbor? Don't raise your hand. Someone's like, yeah, right now. (laughs) But when we seek his face, we get what's in his hands because he's a good father. How do you view God? How do you view God today? Hmm? Because until God is enough for you, no person or thing will ever be enough. 
See, some of you are single and ready to mingle, and uh, you're up in the church like worshiping, one eye closed, one eye open, like, oh, snap, she looking fine, he looking good. And God's like, until I'm enough, no person or thing or house or car or job or income bracket or bank account will never be enough. You're chasing the wrong thing. You sliding into the wrong DM, baby. You got to slide out of that DM and get in God's book, slide in his DM. That was free. That was free. We're not even going to take up another offering for that. I know you want to, you want to give because it was so good, but that was free. Because when we seek his face, the byproduct is we get what's in his hands. So we get so focused on what we can get from God that we miss getting to know God. And that's the reason you're here. That's the reason. I don't want to be that guy 70, 80, 90, however long I live and come to the end of my life and say, man... I was just chasing the blessings of God, but I never got to know the blesser himself. I never had a personal relationship with him. I never trusted him on Wednesday, hump day, when all hell was breaking loose. I just was a Sunday Christian, and I just came because my wife made me, or I came because it was the thing to do. No, I want to get to end my life and say, I know my God is faithful. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He's been a good God all the days of my life. All the days of my life, he's been good. Hmm? God told Abram, I am your reward. That's what he said. I am your reward. You're in the tent. You're mad at me because you don't have a son yet. And it hasn't happened in your timing. And God said, you're looking at the wrong thing. I am your reward. Church, we have to get out of the tent of contentment. It's time for somebody to get out of the tent of contentment. You've been sitting in here too long. You've been doing your thing for too long. You've been enclosed, and this is your perspective on your world, is the tent. What is your tent? I don't know what your tent is, but every one of us have a tent that we find ourselves in. Every one of us have a tent that tries to keep us content. We have to get out of the tent. We got to be done settling. We got to be done allowing doubt and fear and anxiety and stress to be in the driver's seat of our life. It's time you get out of that tent. Some of you got to get out of that tent of addiction. You got to get out of the tent and you got to take a step and watch God meet you when you take a step. He'll meet you because the Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. As you take a step, he's going to be there and he's going to be your strength. You got to get out of the tent. You got to get out of the tent of no vision and no dream for your life. No purpose. You haven't tapped into your God-given purpose. You got to get out. You got to discover your purpose so you can make a difference, so you can live a fulfilled life for Christ. Your bank account big is not going to give you a fulfilled life. It's great. I love. It's great when the bank account is filled, right? But it's not going to bring true fulfillment to your life. What we do for Christ is the only thing that will last in our life. You're not going to have a U-Haul attached to your hearse when you leave this earth. You're not taking the stuff with you. word of the Lord, Genesis 15, 4, came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. But then look what he says in verse 5. He took him outside of the tent and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, 
Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. He said, Abraham, it's time that you get out of the tent and count the stars. It's time that you stop allowing fear to rob you. You stop allowing others to stop you from fulfilling your God-given purpose. It's time that you step out, Abraham, because I got so much more for your life. God was saying to Abraham, you're asking me for one child, and I'm trying to give you a billion children. God, God is saying to some of you, you're asking me for one pay raise, and I'm trying to get you to own the company. God is saying to somebody, I'm trying to get you out of debt so you can help others get out of debt. God is saying to somebody, I want to bless you financially so that not only you can pay your bills, but so that you can bless someone else and give generously to others. So you can help support people on the road of recovery. So you can help support homeless shelters. So you can help feed the hungry and clothe the naked. You're asking God to move you into a better neighborhood, and he's saying, I want to I give you your dream home. God's saying, get out of the tent and look. There's so much more. Get out of the tent, because all you've seen is the tent, but I want you to start counting stars. I want you to start counting the promises of God that are yes and Amen. You see, God never gives you a dream that matches your budget. If you can figure it out, it's your dream and not a God dream. He never gives you a dream that matches your budget. He's not checking your bank account. He's checking your faith account. That was for somebody. And I'm going to tell you for our church, God is asking us to step out of the tent. I can hear somebody. I can hear you right now. Well, I just think our church is too big. It's like so many people around here. It's like crazy trying to get in the parking lot. Like there's people everywhere, kids everywhere. I don't even know who these kids are. Like I'm taking wrong kids home after church. There's so many kids. I go to the coffee bar and it's empty because people live off coffee and Jesus here, they say. I can't get out of the parking lot and there's police and there's all these people with vests and wands on and they're telling me to go a certain way and I don't like it. I just, I, I just don't know. I just think we just need to settle, Pastor. No, we're not staying in the tent. Hey, check this out. Check this out. If, if, if you think this church is too big, then, then, then your love for people is too small. Because watch this, watch this. God, God counts his saved kids and his lost kids. They're all his kids. And, and 3,024 souls, that's great, but we're just getting started because I don't know about you, but I got family members who don't know Christ yet. I, I'm sure you do, and I'm sure you work with people who don't know Christ, and I'm sure there's people in your neighborhood, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's people that you work with. I'm sure there's people that you know that are far from God. And so it's time for our church, it's time for Fuel Church to get out of the tent because there's more lost kids to reach. There's more campuses to plant. There's more services to add. Yeah. We can't stop. We can't stop now. We can't stop now. We got to get out of the tent and start counting.
wow, God, forgive us for viewing you as such a small God. You said count the stars. One and two and three and four and five. Is that enough, God? No, keep counting, Abram. And six and seven and eight. What do you mean? I'm going to have more children than that? Keep counting, Abram. And 20 and 30 and 50 and 1,000 and 10,000 and 20,000. Keep counting, Abram. That's how far your generations will go. Who would have known that God was saying, keep counting because in 2019 at Fuel Church, you're going to have some kids, Abram. You're going to have some kids because you're the father of faith and they're, they're going to be telling your story and they're going to be talking how you stayed in the tent, but they're also going to talk how you got out of the tent and you begin to count the stars and you begin to see how big you were, Father God. We begin to see how big God was when we got out of the tent. Like There's so much more when you get out of the tent that we didn't see before. So much more. And so the times of us being comfortable are no longer. The times of somebody being comfortable just sitting and enjoying church. Actually, the church exists for people who aren't here yet. And we're so glad you're here. And some of you are new here, and we're glad you're here. And we say this, we want God to fill this church with broken people. And we want God to fill this church with people who want to help broken people. And some of you are both, and that's fine. But there comes a point in your life where you have to get engaged to help broken people. There comes a point in your life where you have to jump on a team. There comes a point in your life where you start contributing financially and say, man, I'm going to be a part of this vision. I'm just not going to sit here. And maybe you're kicking the tires right now seeing, is this the place for me? And that's cool. We encourage you to do that for a season. But some of you, your season for that is up. I'm just being your pastor right now. Is that okay? Some of you, your season is up. And we're getting ready to make some big announcements a week from today. On Vision Sunday. And you're going to see where God is taking us. And you're going to want to be a part of what's happening here. And I'm encouraging you. Allow God to move you from the tent today. Allow God to move you from the tent today. Not only in your personal life, but your life here at Fuel Church. Because this is one tent we have here. But God's called us to have multiple tents. God's called us to plant multiple churches all over this state of Indiana. And I can't wait to see what he does as we step out of our tent of discouragement, of comfortability, and we say, God, use me. I'll be your hands. I'll be your feet. God, I, I bring what I have to the table. It may, not look, it may look little in your ha- eyes, but little is much when put in the hands of the master. Case in point, two fish and five loaves. So what am I encouraging you to do, church? Look up and count the stars. Look up and count the stars. See how good your God is. See how big he is. Don't compare him to the natural father that failed you. But look up and see that he's a good God, that he's got more for your family, more for your children than you could ever dream of. Look up. Stop counting your fears and your doubts. Stop counting your nevers or your what ifs. Let's stop counting our problems and let's start counting the stars. Because counting your problems never adds up right. Never adds up right. It never works for you when you throw your own pity party on Facebook. No one shows up. No one hearts that. (laughs) Pity party 
party of one. You show up and that's it. And some of you have been in the tent long enough counting your problems, counting what hasn't worked out, counting your failures, counting, man, if I could just rewind and change, I could change my, no, you can't rewind. You can't change what happened in the past. Stop counting those mistakes. God gives you new mercies every day, every single day. Stop counting your problems and start counting the stars. Start counting the stars. Start counting the stars. It all goes back. How do you view God? How do you view God? Bow your heads with me. How do you view God? I want you to really think about that question today. Because how you view God determines everything in your life. How you view God determines everything on whether or not you come out of the tent today. Some of you have been sitting in the tent long enough. It's time for you to step up. It's time for you to rise up and to say, I'm no longer going to count my problems, but I'm going to start counting the stars. I'm going to start counting. I'm going to start looking from a different perspective starting today about my marriage, about my money, about my kids, about my future, about my job, about my church. I'm going to start looking different starting today. We could help others find freedom in Christ. So we thank you, God, today we get out of the tent of contentment and we start looking up and we start counting. We count our blessings. We count them every day. We wake up with a grateful heart that we woke up another day with breath in our lungs. We count our blessings, our family, our children. We count them, God, and we believe that there's more with you. And we believe that you're a good God that you're a faithful God, that you're an on-time God that will not happen in our timing, but in your timing because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the auditorium, maybe there's somebody here who needs to make Jesus the Lord of their life. I don't believe you're here by accident. I don't believe that you're here by chance, but I believe that God orchestrated you being here today. And maybe you find yourself far from God, searching to fill a void within your heart that only can be filled by him. Or maybe you're here today, and maybe this has been a long time since you've been in church, a long time since you've been in a place like this, and you know about God, but you've kind of went in the wrong direction for a season. You're here today, and you say, I, I want to be included in what you're talking about, Jacob. Here in just a moment, we're going to say a prayer of surrender that will change the very course of your life that is the starting point to your journey following Christ. We're not here to embarrass you, to make you come up front or anything like that. But before we pray with you today, would you just do me one favor? Would you just lift your hand and say, Jacob, that's me. Count me in on this prayer that we're about to pray. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to rededicate my life. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, lift that hand up. Lift it up high. Thank you, young man. Yep. I see all those hands in the back. Lots of hands over here. I see your hands. Every section, there's hands. I asked you this last question before we pray. If your heart would stop beating tonight, do you know 100% where you would spend eternity? And if that answer is not heaven, raise your hand right now and say, include me in, include me in. If I were to die tonight, I want to make sure heaven is my home. Thank you, guys. Awesome. 
Yep. Yep. Hands up everywhere. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that the cross was for me. You took upon my sins to give me a fresh start and a new beginning that starts today in Jesus' name. Fuel Church, let's rejoice with every hand up. Come on, let them know they made the greatest decision. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.